earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 69 to 68. Lillard again, and he is feeling it. Missed his first seven shots. That's his third three of the third quarter. And since starting zero of seven, he's gone five for six. Halliburton counters with a three from dead on top. Pacers can take the lead. One minute gone, fourth quarter. Four court right edge. Nemhart out to the left edge. Matherin wants three, but doesn't get it. McConnell, the smallest man on the floor, snuck in there and tipped it in. High screen Lopez. Lillard uses it to drive in, but he missed off the back of the rim and Isaiah Jackson got it to Halliburton. Long pass to the other end. Gliding through the air with the greatest of ease. Toppin caught it at the rim and reverse jammed it. The crowd has worked itself into a frenzy with 52 seconds to play. White drives at the other end and throws it away. Halliburton has it. 46 seconds to play. Up the floor. Neesmith dunks. Nine-point lead. I see the blackjack table. I see the roulette wheel. And I see Eddie Gill, the slot machines. Halliburton off a Turner screen. Back rim long with a three. Back tapped and grabbed by Halliburton. An offensive rebound with under a minute to go. Five-point lead. Halliburton driving to his left. Steps back. Splash! 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 The Banshee erupts. Coming off the floor as one to embrace Tyrese Halliburton. That, Eddie Gill, was cold-blooded. A lot of people didn't want us here. We don't care about that. We earned our way here. We earned our way to three additional national TV games. So people are going to find out about the Pacers. We're shocking the world right now. Nobody expected us to be here, and, uh, except for the guys in the locker room. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las I take Kevin Bowen. I take KB, whatever they did, boy, the mics sound bad. Whatever they did or whatever they did not do in Las Vegas, it worked. What a night last night for the Indiana Pacers. And if you didn't know, you know. Tyrese Halliburton is a stud. This team is pretty damn good. And the Pacers winners last night, we'll talk about it for the next three hours. We'll sprinkle in some Colts, a huge one against the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Bengals there on Sunday, but a good morning to you, a pepping Kevin Bowen step this morning. Look at you. Yeah, uh, wow, 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 wow. Um, you know, regular season Pacers wins, we just don't talk about it in, in this light, and you know, it, it's one thing for, and Tyrese Halliburton's certainly been the catalyst, Andy, they wanted this. They, 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 they wanted this stage, they've talked about it from the first you know, in-season tournament game. It's one thing to want it, it's another thing to deliver on the stage, and you know whether it was Monday night against Boston or last night, Andy, I just didn't watch either of those games and think it was flukish. You know, it's not like the Pacers hit uh, whatever twenty three three pointers in the win on Monday or the win last night. It's no, not they like hit Hall- seven last night. Yeah, seven of what thirty something. Uh, it's not like Halliburton went off for forty or you know Buddy Heald hit nine threes in a game or something like that. Um, this is real, and this is a team that deserves what they're going to get Saturday night. It is so fitting it's LeBron. It's so fitting it's the Lakers. I don't know if they should shave their heads and rock the black shoes and black socks like it's 2000 in the finals <laughs> all over again. Um, Boy, but- the Pelicans didn't show up. By the way, is my mic on? Switch the mic. I don't know if that one's Oh, the mics don't work? All right. Are we having a mic on, function here? here? All right. Does that oh, sound better? sound good. All right. Here, let's check it real Yep, there, there it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean... You the pe- would like the Pelicans Well, there. the Pelicans didn't even show up. But, I, I mean, listen, we we had a lot of fun around here the last couple days, did we not, about, well, you're going to get into Miami. You're in Miami. You're going to get into Vegas, and there's a lot to do in Vegas. And, uh, you know, it's going to be gambling and everything else in Vegas. And this team seemingly dialed in. And, Kevin, I think you're spot on from moment one. And I don't know if every team did this, but from moment one, 
one when the in-season tournament was asked to either the players, Tyrese Halliburton, Rick Carlisle, you could tell that they had bought in, that they had put a premium on these games. Now, to be certain, they have games that they didn't put a premium on, right? You can go back to Portland and the Hornets and the Chicago Bulls, and that's a different part of the season. But for right now, this team in this in-season tournament has shown up and they showed up last night and that was a great game. I mean, it was back and forth and it never felt like when one team got a little bit of a lead that they were just going to take a six-point league and make it 15 and the game was going to be over or anything like that. And then you get to the fourth quarter and I'm telling you, we had this conversation, was it two days ago, when we had the sound from Halliburton where he's like, I'm 23, kind of living the dream. Every time he's making one of these big plays, multiple big plays, big shots in the game, uh, it just complete. It, it continues to concrete his ascension as an absolute star. Yeah. And you had Reggie Miller singing his praise yesterday. You had Doris Burke and Mike Breen, uh, Breen singing his praise yesterday. You had the TNT guys, had he and his father. We got the sound. We'll play it later on. John Halliburton on set. So a little Stephen A, a little Charles Barkley, Ernie and company there. And you are seeing your team, the Pacers, who have not had this in how many years? You could answer that question. Uh, becoming a team that people like, that they find fun. And quite frankly, people are like, yeah, let's go. I mean, I, I, I think I actually want to talk about this later. I disagree with Rick Carlisle. I don't think people dislike the Pacers being there. I think, the, I think people are embracing the Pacers and Halliburton and their style and their way they're winning. And last night was a fun game. And thank God it was at 5 o'clock. It was so good for me. Halliburton is a flat-out star. Uh, the personality is infectious. The way he plays the game is infectious. Andy, I just... When you watch him, he's always a step ahead of everybody on the floor. Always. And he has such a great pulse on when do I quarterback and facilitate and then when do I feel like it's time to score. And the next step in kind of his stardom is a little bit of what we saw with the four-point play Monday night and the step-back three last night. Can you close? Mm -hmm. Can you be a closer? I mean, how many times in the NBA games, and and it might be low-hanging fruit, but I'll use it because he played here, but so many times people said, Paul George, he can't close. You know, he, he he's not the real star. He's not going to be a great closer on a legit NBA team. Tyrese Halliburton is showing closing moments on stages he has not been on before. And that, to me, is another reminder, Andy, of something I said on Tuesday. Every time I think Halliburton has reached a very high ceiling, let me be clear, he just punches through that ceiling. And last night was one of them. The stats are mind-boggling, and they tell the entire story. Tyrese Halliburton in Win or go home against the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, the class of the Eastern Conference, Andy Sweeney combined in those two games, 53 points, 28 assists, and zero turnovers. Imagine saying to someone, say this to TJ McConnell, say it to Andrew Nemhard, and I hope that Nemhard injury is not serious because that did not look good, and he is a he was a key cog. In, in helping kind of weather the third the third well, quarter he broke storm. The zone. They went zone, and he's like, cool, I'll, very go, I'll go to the free yeah. throw line, and I'll take a 10 to 12-footer, and I'll make it. Yeah, it looked like a little Gonzaga zone was thrown at him back in the day. <laughs> That's but, a, by, by the way, is that the most zone you've seen in an NBA game in how long? I mean, they played almost an entire half the first of zone. Whole second half. Yeah, yeah. They, they played at the least Bucks a quarter and a half, it felt like, of zone, and you never see that. No. Never see That's a college thing. Again, imagine saying to Nemhard, imagine saying to T.J. McConnell, imagine saying to whatever, Darren Collison, a former Pacer point guard, you're going to go play 70 minutes against the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, and your goal is you cannot commit a turnover. Just If that was just the only goal, that would be an insane uh, feat right. if you didn't commit a turnover in 70 minutes. Then you say to that person, you know what? That's not enough. Not committing a turnover is not enough. You've got to get 28 assists. <laughs> in 70 minutes of basketball. And on and, top of that, right. that's not enough. you got to make all the you shots. you got to score 53 <laughs> points on those stages. I mean, it is absolutely absurd what he's doing. And we've said this time and time again, but again, the national audience is now getting the first glimpse at it. Andy, he's not throwing chess passes that I used to have at Butler basketball camp back in the day. Did you see the Obi Toppin alley-oop from midcourt? I mean, it's... He is a joy. He is an absolute joy to watch. Um, 
And at the same time, it's not like he's the sole reason why we talk about the Pacers winning that game. Certainly, he's the lead guy. He's the catalyst. But Miles Turner just kept attacking and attacking. I thought at moments Bruce Brown was critical, even though it was a bit of an up-and-down game. TJ McConnell in the second quarter, we cannot lose sight of what he did. He kind of jolted a really... Frankly, I thought an 18,000 hungover atmosphere uh, for the better part of those those four quarters yesterday. He was big, and now the Pacers get a crack at LeBron Saturday night. And I guess it's a little bit of house money, literally. Because again, Saturday night's game will not count towards the 82-game uh, record for this team. But it is a game that uh, has $500,000 on the line. So so if Halliburton wants to have seven turnovers, this would be the game <laughs> to have seven turnovers. No, listen, this is... You know, a lot of times a superstar can be unlikable or a team can be unlikable. I'm sure the Pacers have had their share of teams and guys that have been on their teams that while they're good players and you could even consider them a superstar in the league, that 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 it, they only have a factor of unlikability. That's not this team. No, he ain't James Harden. I, I, no, the, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is absolutely likable. And the thing that is happening this year is his ascension to be known as one of the top 10 players in basketball, period. I don't mind saying top 10. You might say it's top 5, 7, 8. We can put a number on it, but he is a top 10 player because he is a complete player and because of all the stats that you just listed. Uh, And they are a likable team. They are a mix of guys who are role players, guys that maybe haven't quite been wanted by their former teams. Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin. Toppin wasn't really wanted by the Knicks, and the Knicks didn't play Obi Toppin, right? Um, And they have found a way to be gritty, and they have found a way to be likable. And you know what I thought? And then, you know, the Colts play on Sunday, and we'll talk a lot of Colts. By the way, Matt Taylor going to join us uh, at 9 o'clock. Greg Rakestraw going to join us coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. You know, I'm not taking anything away from what the Colts have done. I mean, they are on a potentially magical run themselves right now. And by the way, just as an aside, it is fun seeing both of these programs uh, have this sort of fun, and both of them have the youth that you don't feel like that it's going to just be a shot in the dark or a blink and it's over. Halliburton is signed here, building around he and Rick Carlisle and what they have. But I got thinking, even if you gave me the same wins and losses, KB, and you gave me the same record for the Colts, and you can you imagine this? But it was Anthony Richardson getting those wins on the road against the Tennessee Titans. Saw Richardson against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had a tweet last night oh, about did Mr. Mr. Halliburton. Did he? So we'll have to get he to did. that. But you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like you yeah. would yeah. have, you right. would have the city of Indianapolis would have a top ten basketball player and would have in the league, in the world, quite frankly, and you would have an ascending quarterback. Again, I'm not listen, I know that's not happening, but that's what it made me think that hey, next year, that could be the conversation here. As the Pacers build and as Anthony Richardson comes back, no better time to do a morning show in Indianapolis. How about that? And you know what? I don't want to get into this Mount Rushmore debate of where Tyrese Halliburton is, but I'll just say this, Andy. If you're going to boil it down to the first month and a half of this NBA season, there's no way after Nikola Jokic you get very far on the list before you put Halliburton on that. There is no. If you just talk about this season and what he's done, again, You pencil him in every night for 50 to 60 points that he directly contributes with his scoring and with his assists. The other thing I thought was key, not only last night, but going back to Monday again, is in both of these games, Andy, Boston, it was kind of early fourth quarter on Monday. Milwaukee, obviously, was right out of halftime last night. Both of these championship teams, Milwaukee and Boston, they punched you right on the chin. I mean, they hit you square. In the second half, and how many times do you see the plucky underdog? It's it's a little reminiscent of kind of Butler's run to me over a decade ago. The back-to-back runs for Butler. I think back to the Florida Elite Eight game when Florida was a number one seed. I'm thinking, you know, okay, you know, here's where kind of Butler's magic runs out a little bit. And yet they withstand that punch and they punch back. That's what the Pacers did last night. That's what they did on Monday night, even when... The championship team, the favorite, et cetera, et cetera, punches you pretty squarely in the second half. But can I even can I even extrapolate that just a little bit here? Sure. This team, and they've used the in season tournament to do this, not not in totality, 
But this team walked into the Boston game on Monday not feeling the best about themselves. Am I wrong there? I mean, you go back the prior week and a half or so, you split in Philly, not bad. You come back, you lose to Orlando, you lose to Toronto, uh, you're in a close game to Detroit, you lose to Portland, and then you give up 142 points I thought to Saturday the Miami night Heat. in Miami was key. Uh, agreed. Saturday night, they helped bounce back, but these last few games, and you could throw Miami in, but these last Last few games, they have rebounded from a week and a half or so of basketball that Rick Carlisle did not like the way they were playing. And they bounced back and won these games and really took the bad taste out of their mouth. Did they not beat by, of course, Saturday what they did in Miami, but coming home, beating Boston in a game that had something on it because of the in-season tournament and then all the hoopla uh, about going to Vegas and playing in front of Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) Who else was there? There were a few celebrities there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There were, and the one thing, I I don't want to harp on the atmosphere too, too much because the Pacers deserve to be celebrated today. Day. But the one thing I'll say on the atmosphere and a tweak I'd like to see for next year, if you're going to do the Vegas thing, and the players want to go to Vegas, let's let's be abundantly clear. Sure. They, they, they want to experience Vegas in these semifinal, final atmospheres. What I'd like to see is this. Andy Sweeney, you're a Pacers season ticket holder, okay? Here's your uh, season ticket package in whatever, May and June, and you're signing up for it for that next season. You've got an option on the, on the bottom of that season ticket package. If we make to Vegas, would you like to go? And, you know, here's the price, et cetera, et cetera. And you check that yes, okay? You're one of 1,000 Pacers fans. That's a good idea. That sign up for that package. So, in that arena last night, 18,000. I was Maddie's cousin actually lives in Vegas. Yeah, did they end up going? Huge Pacers fan. She was in the lower bowl. Oh, that's awesome. And she was texting me in the first half. She's like, this is kind of... It was kind of dead, yeah. Kind of lethargic. I mean, it felt bubble-like. It felt NCAA tournament noon-like. It felt, yeah, the 110 game on NCAA tournament uh, Thursday or Friday. So, what I'm saying is this. All 30 NBA teams, each of them have a 1,000 season ticket members that have signed up for this package. And obviously, it depends on if your team makes it or not. And then once you know Monday happens in that 48-hour period, you make sure those 1,000 can go. You put them in their own individual fan sections, if you will. And now you've got something of an environment there. That is a tweak I would like to see. But again, leave it to TJ McConnell to kind of ignite things in a very quiet atmosphere there in the second quarter. And the Pacers are moving on to Saturday night. It is an 8.30 tip. It is LeBron. It is the Lakers. That is extremely fitting on so many levels. Good Friday morning to you. Mark Dykton is back from Disney. Does that Hello. mean you need another vacation? Uh, no. I think I'm going to let those roll over to 2024. Maybe. We'll Mark, see. Yeah, great but, to see you. But, it, but is you. it a vacation if you go with all the kids and family to Disney? I don't know. I, eventually, I'll find out. No one was happier for the solo well, flight home than Mark Dykton, probably. And, and then the oh, thing, that steam room and the sauna got to work out on like last night. Well, and then think about this as well. Uh, I, not too many people do this. Mark Dighton came back to work one day I on know, a Friday. I know. I, I, I think that's a, how you do it, though, right? Well, it either is or people are calling you an idiot. It's one or the other. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. I know. I was like, wait, he's doing He's really coming in on this Friday? <laughs> but that's how much he's dedicated to what the Pacers are doing in Las Vegas you right want to now. Reset, Good for you. You want to reset from vacation do one days of half-ass work, and then go back on a weekend. <laughs> Great intro from Mark Dykton here on this Friday morning. Thank you for closing out the week with us. It is the wake-up call. Plenty, plenty to get to, not only Pacers-wise, but Colts and Bengals. And the Colts got some help last night from the arch enemy. Yes, they did. We'll chat about that as well. It is the wake-up call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Ah, uh, yes, the sights and sounds splash, splash. <laughs> from Vegas. Pacers winners, you got to be feeling pretty good about that. We've talked a ton about that. Uh, we do have the Colts in action, obviously, coming up on Sunday. We'll talk a bunch of that as we go here on the Wake Up Call. Matt Taylor going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw joins us right now. His normal Friday 8 o'clock slot with the fellas here uh, in the morning. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, fellas. How are we doing today? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Could you incorporate the splash, splash, splash into any of your calls, do you think, here over the next few months? 
Oh, I just have like about 100 <laughs> basketball games over the course of the next three months. I think I could work that in. I think you probably can. Well, let's start there. What did you make? I know it's a general question. I'll let you take it wherever. What did you make of the Pacer game last night, really the last couple games? And now one of the uh, main talking points of the NBA are the Indiana Pacers and is Tyrese Halliburton. It's just tremendous. Uh, and I thought that that – you know, Rick Carlisle in the soundbite you just played, because so that circulating on social media last night. I thought that I, I thought he hit on the key point, not for his team, because you know, at the talking point, everybody's looking for motivation. But from a team standpoint, does it make you a better team because you're playing on national TV? No, but man, it it is worth its weight in millions, if not more, for a team that has been, you know, so off the radar to now make three consecutive appearances in the course of a week on national television. This is massive for the Pacers brand. So what it does is it kind of shows me just how much Rick Carlisle is invested, not just in coaching this team, but is invested in this franchise. Because that is huge. Um, this team is now overall 12-8, and eight, which is good. Not great. I think most of us would have to say, hey, you repeat 12-8, and eight. You know, that's one quarter of the season. You repeat that, you know, over the course of the next three-fourths of it, you're about a 48 or 49-win team. I think most of us had kind of hoped 45-ish, so clearly you're on, you're on the right track. I think the thing, though, that, that catches your attention is the caliber of teams you have beaten in your own conference. Yeah. You've now beaten the Bucks twice. You've beaten the Celtics. Without Tyrese Halliburton, you won in Miami. You're beating the other best teams in your conference. Now, there is some slip ups in terms of some losses you shouldn't shouldn't have lost to, but that's part of the growing you know you know uh, program for a young team. So it is so cool that they get this national stage. It's so cool they get the opportunity to have this extra game. But again, this is putting the Indiana Pacers back on the map. Yep. Really for the first time in about a decade. Yeah, and I'll add one more at Philly. I mean, that was a huge win they got in that in season group play as well. It was a bounce back win after Maxi put up like 45 or whatever it was. Right. And if you remember. remember played in that game. Um, Rake, uh, the last one for me, Pacers wise, maybe it's hyperbole and, you know, so fortunate to grow up in this market when Peyton Manning and Reggie Miller were doing their thing. Is it hyperbole to say, uh, you know, a, a Max Bowen or some kids a little bit older than Max, you're going to have a Tyrese Halliburton equivalent of that? I think so. And, and you know, obviously my kids are 12 and 9, which means that most of my friends' kids are of a similar age. And, like, for example, I got a text message from a buddy of mine saying, I'm looking about buying, you know, Pacers tickets for the Warriors game and asking about prices because – you know, his friend's son is such a massive Steph Curry fan. And it's been a long time since the kids locally said, I'm such a massive Reggie Miller fan. I'm such a massive insert, you know, name of player here. You know, Danny Granger kind of had the torch for a little while. Unfortunately, injuries kind of curtailed his career. Paul George had it for a while and elected not to be here. Victor Oladipo was like a comet, you know, for a year or two was kind of a big deal. Halliburton's that guy, you know, and, and obviously it was more than ceremonial that Reggie Miller was there last night. Tyrese Halliburton is that guy. And this has already been underway, but again, it was kind of an exclamation point as to, again, what we think Reggie was for the better part of, of 15 years it's looking like Halliburton might be that guy here. And now you've got kids locally. So they're still going to love Steph Curry. They're still going to love LeBron James. Insert favorite player here. But more and more of those will say, give me that number zero jersey. Halley's my guy. That's the guy that I want to be the big fan of. And it's, again, it's something you have to have to be a successful NBA franchise. That's really well said. Great, Greg Straw with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Rake shifting gears to the I-74 matchup Sunday afternoon. I, there's a reason why I ask this. Um, who's the most important Colts rookie of this season? Ooh. 
he plays, if he's if he's starting, it might be Blake Freeland. Um, if, if that's kind of what you're getting at, yeah, that, that, that that's um, where I'm going with it, Ray. Braden Smith has not practiced again to start this week. We could be looking at if you count Freeland starting last week. Braden Smith left after three snaps. This would be Blake Freeland's sixth start of the year, Rake. He's done well. Uh, and and it, like he's it, been it, serviceable, it, it, I, I, but like serviceable right. has got it done because the Colts have had disaster at backup tackle before and it's gotten them killed and it's gotten them a lot of losses. No, I mean, the fact is, you know, the first game or two, it was a bit of a struggle as you expect any rookie. Uh, you would kind of say the same thing about Bernard Ryman last year, but he got better as the season went along. Freeland has been very valuable, and this has been a year for depth in the Colts draft classes. And, Kevin, my, my guess is if there is a year that this one reminds you of, it's 2012, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm, certainly. Yeah. So and, and 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 so let's go to that draft class of 2012. It's pretty obvious who the first pick was, but people forget of the contributions. Vic Ballard was what a fifth or sixth round pick, and 800 rushing Wayne yards Allen, as a rookie. What 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 was a third round pick? You know, and, and so you know guys were selected deeper in that draft and had immediate impacts. All right, you're saying that about this group. You know, Freeland, the fourth round pick, Jones being the seventh round pick, Downs being the third round pick. Um, Again, it just illustrates you that this is one of those years for the Colts where things are seemingly falling into place. It's schedule. It's way that they're winning. It's guys that are getting different contributions from seemingly every week. Thankfully, we haven't had the, the, the you know, coach leukemia and, and, and serious health issue to deal with uh, that you had with, with, with 2012. But other than that, there's a lot of similarities between that year and this year. And that year was 11-5 and five when no one expected it. And, and this is starting to trend in a similar direction. Greg Regstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, I was kind of bullish on this Bengals team. Joe Burrow goes down. I'm thinking it's going to be easy. You see their offense against the Steelers. It was pretty bad a couple weeks ago. And then the Bengals on Monday Night Football go, and they put up more than 30 points, and they beat Jacksonville on the road, and Jake Browning was great. Over 350 yards rake, 32 of 37. Did that offensive performance by Cincinnati, I guess, how much did it change your view of the game coming up on Sunday? Significantly. You know, we were starting to write this off as, you know, if you looked at it a month ago, this was the toughest game left on the schedule. You looked at it two weeks ago, you're like, hey, that just got a whole lot easier. The Bengals bowled out on Monday night. Now, again, defensively, still weren't that great. And, yes, you got a much better chance with it being Jake Browning and not being Joe Burrow. But there's a lot of other offensive weapons that Browning has to work with. And so this puts this game right back in the category of everything we have been saying over the course of the last month, which is that the Colts can beat anybody on their schedule. And the Colts can be beaten by anybody that is on their schedule. I do think the margin for error for the Colts is a little bit lesser in this game than it's been in some previous games because of how the Bengals played on Monday night. He is Greg Rakestraw. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Rake, I am uh, going to assume it's a busy day down at Southport for you tomorrow? It is a busy day. I actually have the first two games tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to seeing Braylon Mullins. And again, we've now entered the territory where a lot of these top local players that I'm calling, you know, I called their dad's games, you know, 20 and 25 <laughs> years ago. So, 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 uh, and, and I'm partial to the Mullins family because Josh played for us at IUPUI, was on our NCAA tournament team now 21 years ago. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to being on the call of that one. Um, and then the second game is, is Center Grove and Warren Central. In terms of the other headliner games, um, they're all headliner games. Heritage Hills, Garen Catholic, Noblesville Addicts, Lawrence North, who got a really good win on Wednesday night. Obviously, people after the game weren't talking about the win, talking about having outside of the gym. But, again, I, I think LN's best is the best in the state. Are they unbeatable? No. 
but I, I'm not sure anybody else can kind of get to their ceiling, and they're going to be good for the next two or three years because they have a bunch of sophomores and juniors that are playing at key spots for them. And then Kokomo and Fishers, and the job that Garrett Weininger and the Fishers Tigers have done, they're 5-0 and going to the weekend. That's without Jalen Harrelson. That's their best player leaving to go to La Lumiere, and the Tigers are still undefeated. So I'm sad I won't be seeing them, but I'm thrilled we have the game for you on MyMDTV and ISC Sports Network and that game against Kokomo and Floyd Badunga tips tomorrow night at 8.30. Maybe it was just the positions or maybe I just, whatever, lack of sleep. Did I miss a Mr. Football announcement? No, they have made the Mr. Football positional announcements. Got they it. have not made the overall Mr. Football announcement just yet. And that is likely to go where? I think it's Josh Ringer's. Um, the numbers that he put up. And he's the East Central so running back? Uh, the East Central running back in Miami of Ohio. He had 60 touchdowns this year. I don't know how it finished up because other states finished their playoffs either a week or two weeks uh, after Indiana does. Uh, he was the second leading scorer in the nation going into the final weekend of the season. 55 rushing touchdowns, five receiving touchdowns. I think he finished 14th or 15th on the all-time rushing list in the state of Indiana, and he finished in the top 10 in terms of career points scored in the state of Indiana. Played on a beyond-dominant team. There's a lot of other great candidates, and he may not be the highest-rated recruit. Uh, I think he's in the top 10 of, of that list, but I think Mr. Football is his. Rake, I am giddy for our trip to South Bend coming up in a little over a week. Oh, nice. So which game are you guys going to see again? I forgot all about this. We are going to see so the – go ahead, Rake. We're going to see the Citadel, uh, and just it, it happened to work out that way in my schedule. Um, a good friend of mine is the play-by-play voice of the Citadel. Uh, I don't think he's listening since he lives in South Carolina. This is a surprise to him, so nobody tell him. Um, but I've got friends, really good friends, on both the men's and women's coaching staff at Notre Dame, and um, I have not been up to South Bend for a game in 21 years. Oh my God! So, oh man! Yeah. So it, so it's 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 uh, back to the Joy Center days, not the Purcell Pavilion days. So um, same bones, completely different building. It's been way too long. Looking forward to going back, but obviously. You know, getting some quality road trip time with my boy. Cass. You guys are gonna be VIP up there. I, I like the wait. sound I of this. I cannot wait for you guys. The coattails of Greg Rakestraw. I, I have been promised, in all seriousness, <laughs> that we're getting Andy Sweeney level seats. Oh yeah, oh. please for all the free stuff. Hey now, there we go. Man, He's at the quarter pole of the, the Derby, Raptors, like legitimately courtside. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I told, I reminded Maddie of it last night. She's like, wow, you're really happy about this. I'm like, yes, I am. Uh, Ray, uh, <laughs> cannot wait for that. Enjoy Southport tomorrow. Enjoy the postgame show on Sunday. And I will uh, see you next week. Been a fun show today, reacting a lot of Pacers conversation, Colts as well. Colts get ready uh, for a matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Our coverage beginning here on The Fan at 10 a.m. And the man who's anchoring that coverage, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. He does so 9 o'clock hour every single Friday. Maytay, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, boys. What's going on? Uh, been a fun show. I mean, listen, Colts got it going on. The Pacers got it going on in the midst of some good college basketball. So who has uh, it better than us? And who had it better than you guys uh, on the call there in Tennessee? You know, listening to some of your sound, you think it's going to be just a normal punt by the Titans. And boom, there's a block and there's another block. So I want to go back before we go to the game against the Bengals on Sunday. Uh, you guys are watching that game up there. What a wild game. What did you make when you were watching it and all the different crazy things that all happen in one game. Yeah, there was a point there late in the game. I think the uh, Titans had just uh, tied the game at 25, then they miss a PAT. And then at that point, I'm trying to think just in real time, all the craziness and all the weird plays that we had saw up to that point with Nick Folk, who is in his 17th year as a kicker. He's now punting. He's missing a PAT for the first time. We had uh, pick two with the defense scoring a two-point conversion. We had quarterbacks fumbling to safety, safeties back to quarterbacks. I mean, I, I was trying to think back in real time, just the amount of like unique and weird and bizarre and off-the-wall plays we had in that game. And then on the fly, just I couldn't think of them all. You know, I tried, tried my best uh, to put them all into perspective. 
but that was one of the more wilder plays. You know, I've, I've I think I've called now more than a hundred Colts games, and that one's certainly the the wildest and and most bizarre in terms of how we got to the finish, overtime, and all the just weird things that happened throughout the course of sixty eight minutes of football. Matt Taylor, I love sports. I love passion. I love emotion. I love when we get video clips of oh, you yeah. in the radio I love booth. It. Do you love it? And, and I guess for our audience out there that maybe has not seen it yet, um, your reaction, again, in video form to Alec Pierce's over-the-shoulder catch in overtime, Rick Venturi in the background, uh, just tremendous in my opinion. Are you a fan of it? I mean, I suppose. I mean, it's it's. Don't fun. be I mean, humble I, with I, me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think that we're we're now in the day and age where people want to see more. They want to see behind the curtain. They want to see how things are done, how things are made, the the product, how it uh, gets to the the finish uh, finish line. I guess so. Um, yeah, they just they stick a camera in front of me. It's a GoPro, and and I literally just push a button. You know, I, I clamp it to a window or something. So it's. I guess it's a it's a it's a it's a small lift, if you will, for for something that's cool and that's behind the scenes. Like it's no, it's not a huge deal for me. And I, I just I'm amazed that they can make something so little look so good. If that makes any sense. I mean, I showed up on Monday morning in our video department. Our guys do such a great job. The Colts video department is just unbelievable, filled uh, filled with really talented people. But I, I walked into the the office. On Monday morning, and Matt Wilkening, who does such a great job with everything that he touches, but you know, behind the next pick or with the next pick, I yeah. should say, he's a legend, and, you know, no doubt about it. So, I, you know, I hadn't even hit like Control Alt Delete on my computer on Monday morning <laughs> to get it fired up to put in my password. Yeah. And he comes into my office. He's like, "Hey, check this out!" And he shows me, you know, the GoPro footage. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they do, and it's fun. And I don't think I've got anything to do with it, but it's it's cool for people to see. You know our product and what it looks like as we're delivering it over the uh, over the air, over the radio, with the audio part. You're you're being far too humble. You're the superstar. I mean, the camera, the GoPro is on you. You mimicked Alec Pierce catching the ball <laughs> fall into his hands. You remember a couple years ago? Me and KB were talking about this a couple days ago. We're gonna have Mark retweet that, by the way, yeah, from our we, from our show. We need account. to. Do you, do you remember Kevin Harlan was like, I don't like that. Remember Kevin Harlan was like, it makes me part of the story, and I just want to narrate. And I was like, that's fine. But Kevin Harlan is always part of the story because he has so many great energetic calls. Oh, people love this. You guys got to keep doing it. The other time that the GoPro, remember when they would put these on offense or defensive coordinators? Remember when Ken Dorsey a couple years ago for the Bills just <laughs> oh, yeah. took oh, over? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and there was that like that Monday night game, and he got so angry that he literally destroyed the booth. He was throwing pencils mm-hmm. and pens yeah. and papers and folders and, and everything else. Surface is now not working <laughs> after that moment. There. Do you remember the yeah. Dave? Sims won, Matt, uh, when the Mariners made the playoffs a few years ago? I do, oh, yeah. that's a good yeah, one. That was a, that was a great one there's, as well. there's some good content there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I just forget it's there, to be honest with you. Like, I set it up in the pregame show, and I hit I hit the button. There's like a there's a card in the camera that's got like nine and a half hours worth of footage that they can capture. And most of it is just like me looking at my computer or like taking a <laughs> sip of Diet Coke. Right, picking your nose. Really, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's there's really not a whole lot going on except for Alec Pierce's catch and then Michael Pittman Jr.'s touchdown in overtime, and that's what they grab. They play the hits. It's like a rock and roll station, man. <laughs> they just go for the good stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's cool to see the finished product in terms of what they're able to do with it because they, they – they take an oaf like me and make me look okay. <laughs> well, that's what they do here with uh, with the YouTube feed uh, with us as well here on the fan. Matt Taylor joining us, Payless Liquors Hotline on this Friday. I, I don't know. You, you look at this game to me, and I asked Greg Rakestraw and Stephen Holder this week the same question. I'll throw it your way. I was kind of bullish on the Colts in this game, and then Jake Browning went out and looked like Joe Burrow in that game Monday night against Jacksonville. How much did his performance and that offense performance maybe change the way you view this game coming up on Sunday yeah that's that's a great point it, it, it changed everything to be honest with you I mean, it changed the complexion of the game in terms of playoff standings with the Jaguars losing kind of opening up the door even further in the AFC South 
It's not completely shut for the Colts. I mean, it's essentially now just a two-game lead for the Jaguars because they're eight and four, right? Jacksonville, the, the Jaguars are um, they have the the tiebreaker over the Colts um, with, by by sweeping them. So, it, mathematically, it's certainly not out of the question for the Colts to get back in the mix in the division. But I, I think just schematically, Andy, you're exactly right. To me. I'll raise my hand. I mean, three weeks ago, I really didn't know who Jake Browning was. I mean, I, I kind of remember him in college just because Washington was really good that one year in 2016. They made the college football playoff. But, you know, he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind for me anyways because he's been in the NFC, then he was in Cincinnati backing up Joe Burrow and never saw the field. And I, I think the way in, in which that he played on Monday night you know, he looked, and what I'm about to say is going to make it sound like I'm not appreciating him, but it's 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 everything but that. But he proved to be incredibly competent and in control, and I think that playbook is completely open to him, just like it would be Joe Burrow, because I think they kind of play the same way. And he just really impressed me with the accuracy, the poise, um, the mastery of the playbook. And plus, he's got great players to throw to. He's got great weapons still. So I think that offense is just as dangerous with him as it would be with Joe Burrow. Now, obviously, is is he going to complete 86% of his passes and throw for 356 in this game? Probably not. I mean, that was a, a, a historic performance on Monday Night Football. But again, he's much better than I think you know, than your average backup quarterback, just like we say the same things about Gardner Minshew. And it's it's funny because both of these guys played each other in college in the Apple Cup in 2018. So they're not your average backup quarterbacks. Both guys are 27 years old, a lot of wisdom um, and a lot of experience despite Browning only starting two games. He's been around the block a little bit and he's learned and grown from uh, a, a lot of good coaches and a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. So that was, to me, the biggest thing that I took from, from Monday night is, like, this this offense is really, really potent right now. And I don't think I would have said that, you know, three, four weeks ago when he had to come in on a Thursday night for Burrow uh, and got beat by the Ravens, got beat up pretty good. Um, you know, he, he showed some, some really good poise in a huge moment for him on Monday night football. And I was just really impressed. And I think it's going to be a dogfight for the Colts in this game. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, and I think also it was honestly probably a good thing. It happened on Monday night football. You know, everyone on that Colts roster is probably watching that game. So they got a glimpse of it and certainly will not be surprised by anything Jake Browning's capable of doing on Sunday. Again, Matt Taylor is with us here, voice of the Colts. Matt, Cincinnati's run game has not been potent really at all this season. Season. I do think Joe Mixon is more dynamic than maybe those stats indicate. Um, but I find the return of Grover Stewart so critical, even though it's a week where it's not, you know, whatever, this vaunted rushing attack. Because I view Sunday as you need to commit as many guys to your coverage as you can with Cincinnati's yeah. wideout group. So if you can sit there with your run defense and say, all right, we got Big Grove back. You know, maybe we don't have to cheat up Julian Blackman or Nick Cross or Rodney Thomas. I think that is huge. So it's funny. It's not like this is this vaunted rushing attack, but I still think given the makeup of Cincinnati's wideouts, what you need in coverage, uh, Grover Stewart, uh, to me, uh, should be welcome back. And, and obviously he is. Yeah, no, without question. I mean, we've, we've spent all week talking about the splits between the running game with and without Grover Stewart. I mean, it's just staggering. I mean, the Colts have given up 125 rushing yards in six straight games. That hadn't been done by the Colts since 2006. And you're right, you know, Cincinnati's not going to run for, you know, 150 yards. They're not going to try to. You know, they're only averaging about 82 rushing yards per game, but it's kind of the situational running, right? It, it's mixing on first and second down, and that's where Grover Stewart's return is so big, KB. I, I think you're spot on. You can't let, you know, you can't let Cincinnati run the ball for four yards on second and seven and get down to third and three, third and two. That's advantage Cincinnati, really, with all the weapons they have on the outside. They're still afforded in those types of situations to be able to run the ball because mixing. He is he is a thunderous running back. I mean, he runs really, really hard. I mean, I think he's top five most physical backs in the NFL with getting yards after contact and just, you know, winning winning those individual battles to get those hard yards for first downs. Um, so they're not going to put up, you know, a ton of numbers, but I think it's just the situational running to be able to be in advantageous positions on third down or second and medium to still be able to throw the ball for their playmakers on the outside like Chase 
and Higgins and Boyd. They got some up and coming tight ends now. They've got uh, Brown out of the backfield, the rookie out of Illinois that can run it. He can catch it as well. Um, and they like mixing in the passing game too. So I think Grover Stewart's return is just going to be really, really big just to mitigate the run so that Cincinnati is behind the chains or you know, on third and long um, consistently for most of the game. That's advantage for the Colts because of their ability to stop the run and also the way that the pass rush has really come on the last five weeks. And, you know, to play devil's advocate a little bit, I'm just really curious to see what the pass rush now looks like with Grover Stewart because without him, that's been part of the – the defense that's kind of mitigated or helped calm down um, or I should say alleviate some of the the pressure that's been put on this defense by not being able to stop the run. Here comes, you know, Quiddy Pay with, with six and a half sacks, Dio Adangbo with near seven sacks, and Samson Ebicom with eight sacks. So it's been the guys off the edge and up the middle with uh, Eric Johnson and, of course, with, with DeForest Buckner that the pass rush and the sack numbers have kind of mitigated um, all of the, the big numbers the Colts have allowed on the ground um, with other teams rushing the ball without Grover Stewart. I'm just curious to see what that all looks like with the puzzle now back in place with number 90 back out there. Okay, he is radio voice of the Colts. He is Matt Taylor. Matt, the biggest question for me on Sunday is this. Um, at halftime, they will present Skyline Chili in the press box. <laughs> will you dabble? I mean, unless you want Jeffrey Gorman calling the second half, there's I know. no chance. Yeah. I, I no was thinking, chance. I thought maybe Larry Overton would have to be in the booth with Rick Venturi in the second half. Yeah, you can't do that, can you? Yeah, we, we talked about this on our podcast, like a hot take. Skyline Chili or the Cincinnati Classic 5-way or 3-way, where do you stand on it? Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, I don't, I don't, you either love it or you hate it. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like, I think it tastes really good once in a while, but I couldn't eat it certainly you know the to the routine that the cincinnatians have it because there's a skyline chili or a gold star in every corner down there in the 513 i just don't think i could eat that heavy of a meal that often i don't know where you guys well, when you know. say you either I love I'm it with you when, and I, you listen, better be close to your favorite bathroom if you're gonna eat it. yeah when you say you either hate it or love it, it it's not even that the people that love it there in cincinnati matt they protect it like it is gold, like no other chef could come up with a food that is this sort yeah. of chili with Emeril a watered-down yeah, watered hot dog. And then the people that dislike it would not give it to their dogs for dinner. That is how I feel. <laughs> that, that, is, that, that is you know the two opposite extremes that you have with the Skyline Chili. Yeah, it, it's certainly a, a regional, um, you know, Cincinnati is a really interesting place, not only culturally, but I just think for food. I mean, you got Frisch's Big Boys down there. Oh, I love um, Frisch's back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got La Rosa's Pizza, oh, that's yeah. a Cincinnati staple. Sure. Um, you got Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's always a staple when you go down there as well. Then, of course, you got the, you know, the, the Coney Dog and the Skyline Chili debate. So, yeah, when you, when you go to Cincinnati, man, you better bring a bigger belt. That's that's the biggest uh, uh, life lesson that I've that I've learned when you go down there. Yeah, my last station uh, I was at was a Reds affiliate, so we got the affiliate suite, and they bring all of those foods and more, all of them, like the pizza and the chili and yeah, everything. Yeah. And you feel terrible when you leave, Matt. You feel absolutely <laughs> terrible, not because at that point they were losing a lot of baseball games, but you put about four thousand calories uh, on the belt. Alec Pierce. His biggest game, his best game, you could argue, definitely this season as a Colt. Getting him more involved down the field. Do you think that is something that was a one-game thing, or do you think they can replicate that uh, either Sunday or down the road here this season? Well, that's, I mean, if I had the answer to that, I mean, I'd be probably, you know, placing some proxy bets or something. But, I mean, it's it's kind of a big unknown right now. I mean, everybody is, is, is I think Alec Pierce is kind of a lightning rod within this Colts offense. And to be honest with you, I really don't understand it. I mean, he's, he's had some adversity, right? I mean, he's only in his second year. We forget that as well. But, you know, the quarterback carousel around him that everybody has had to deal with. And Michael Pittman Jr.'s emergence. I mean, I think Pittman's target share for the Colts is like over 30%, which is top five in the NFL. So there's no question that Gardner Minshew is going to number 11 between the numbers, in the red zone, third down, tough catches. Those two seem to be just on a different level right now in terms of, 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 of Minshew's you know, comfort with, with Michael Pittman Jr., and rightfully, show, uh, rightfully so, I should say. 
Um, and then just two, Minshew, he's a quarterback that gets the ball out quick. I mean, it's routinely under three seconds. I think it's 2.8 in terms of snap to release, which is top 10 in the NFL. So, you know, th- those are not things that, um, that that's not Alec Pierce's game. You talked about the go routes and the deep uh, posts. That, that's, that's who he is. He's an explosive receiver. He's averaging 15.6. Uh, yards per catch this season and you know he's cleared some things out there's no doubt about that in terms of the route concepts for the underneath stuff you know for the tight ends and more specifically Michael Pittman Jr. to to to, to drive in um, but I just think you know his his time's gonna come and you know it came last week he had a 36 yard touchdown to get the Colts on the board and of course everybody knows about the 55 yard play in overtime to set up the game winning score you know, it's like when the Colts need a big play, they certainly trust Alec Pierce to, to come up big. Um, I just think that he kind of has to, to, to bide his time and, 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 you know, produce in spots. And that's who he is within this offense right now based on the personnel around him and who his quarterback is. All right, Matt, last one. It's the lone bus trip of the year as you guys <laughs> depart down I-74. What's your favorite I-74 uh, sightseeing experience off the highway there. I'll, I'll offer a few. I, I like seeing the high schools off the highway, so I like a little East Central. Is it Eastern Hancock? Is that the one you get early on? That, that one's a little bit more off into the distance. I'm a fan there. Yep. Um, Triton Central, off off Triton 74 Central. as well, right? Okay, there you go. Um, the Honda yeah. plant, you know. Um <laughs> Well, it's got to be. It's, Does it go Greensburg, then Batesville, or Batesville, then Greensburg? I always forget. It goes Greensburg, then Batesville, Batesville, okay, and then uh, like Saint Leon East Central High School, right off the highway as right well. Right there, I mean, right there. Yeah. Now yeah, we, I have to laugh at this. I don't know yeah, if I told ahead. you this story. We did Cincinnati last year for spring break. We're driving back, and all of a sudden, uh, we go flat tire, oh. Um, oh. just south of the Milan exit. And so both Maddie and I are trying to call. Um, all right, you know, are, are we open? Can we get a new tire at one of these shops, et cetera, et cetera? The spare's not going to take us very far. Maddie pronounces the Milan exit as Milan. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Oh, no. Yeah. And she's, and she's Hoosier through and through, right? I wasn't mad. I was just, I was just disapp- disappointed. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, there's, there's certain things that just, like, uh, you're, you're disappointed more than anything else, and, It'll take a while. You'll eventually get there, but that'll take a while to get over, yeah. you know, coming from where she comes from. I mean, what are we doing here? Preach. Read a book. Preach, preach. <laughs> Read a book. I-74. <laughs> He'll be doing a lot of reading on his way to Cincinnati coming up Saturday afternoon. Our coverage begins at 10 a.m. Matt, have a great call. Safe travels, and uh, we'll certainly be listening. All right, boys. I appreciate you. Have a good weekend. I have to be totally honest with you guys right now. Uh, I, I don't think I have like a Colts selection. I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I was bullish on the Colts winning this game and moving on. Uh, and then Jake Browning happened. What was he? 32 of 37. Uh, so that's what he was as well. Reminder as well. We'll talk with Lynn about this coming up here in just a minute. Uh, Sunday, the draft event in Gamebridge. It begins at 3.30 and uh, the actual event itself beginning at 4.30, and we'll find out if the fever will be 1, 2, 3, or 4. And KB, I was looking here. If I have it right, uh, the way they do it, there are a 1,000 chances between Indiana, Phoenix, L.A., and Seattle, and the fever have 442 of the 1,000 chances to get the overall number one Believe. pick. And I would imagine that would be Caitlin Clark. Again, 442 of the 1,000 chances. Now, How about sorry that? I was a little late running back in here. I had to get some water because if I'm not hydrated for our next guest, I cannot match her energy level <laughs> at all. She is the one and only, the Hall of Famer, the legend. She is Lynn Dunn. Coach, Hall of Famer, good Friday morning to you. I know you were excited last night watching that Pacers effort. You know I loved every minute of it. Anytime we can beat the Bucks, I think it's wonderful. And I was so excited about how well they played. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, let's look ahead to this weekend. Andy just laid it all out there. Um, I, I don't. This might be hyperbole, so rip me for it if you need to. Is this the most important lottery number one pick uh, potential in WNBA history, considering who's out there in Iowa? 
Potentially, it could be based on the, the the depth of this draft. It's a really, really good draft. There's a lot of quality players in it, but we need them all to come out. You know, they some of them still have that fifth COVID year. It seems like it's been forever, but hopefully this is the last round next year of the COVID uh, extension. Well, I mean, are you nervous going into this? I mean, there's nothing else you can do. It's all going to just be a lottery system. I would imagine you still have nerves. Is that the case, even though it's nothing you can control right now? Well, we've worked hard for those 400 and whatever balls. <laughs> 442. Have, 442 balls. And so, you know, I'm not nervous. I'm optimistic. Um, I feel like the if the stars all align with us and, you know, and the things do mathematically like they're supposed to, then we've got a great shot at that uh, at that first pick. So we're we're just excited about it. She is the great Lindon again Sunday, three thirty, the draft lottery party, four thirty the lottery will take place here for the Indiana Fever. And right now they've got the best chance of getting that number one overall pick. Um Coach, how would you compare where you guys are at rebuild-wise to maybe where the Pacers are? I know that, eh, I don't know, maybe it's not a comparison that you want to make, but for our audience out there that's viewed this Pacers rebuild, how would you kind of compare where you guys are with it? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Pacers because they're in a rebuild process with a great young team, and I think what they did last night shows that they may be a little bit ahead of schedule of where we thought they would be. I don't think they expected this early in the season, this early in the rebuild, to be beating on a neutral court uh, someone like the Celtics and then the Bucks, and and I think that a lot of that goes back to the great job that – Kevin Pritchard and, and, and his crew have done over there with, with talent uh, acquisition. And, and then Ty, Tyrese Halliburton, let's, let's give him his credit. I mean, he's, he's a one-in-a-million kind of player, and when he's on the court, he makes everybody better. So this is a great weekend for Indianapolis. We've got the Pacers playing uh, Saturday night. We've got the Colts playing Sunday. We've got us with the lottery. And I'd like to have a three wins. <laughs> Yeah, amen. I, that, yeah, right? yeah, amen. I'll, I'll say that. How, how how have you challenged Aaliyah Boston to get better in the off season? Well, she's surrounded by personal trainers, personal fitness gurus. Uh, she's got a whole team that's working with her um, every day, every week. Um, you know, just to continue to grow her. You know, she's got a. We'll have a lot of pressure on her after being the unanimous rookie of the year. I think she surprised us all. We knew she'd be good. We didn't know she'd be just how good or how great, how poised, how composed. Um, and so now we're excited about adding another top player to go with her and Alyssa Smith and Kelsey Mitchell and Erica Wheeler and, and take that next step. Um, and, and hopefully hopefully we can do some things like the, like the Pacers are doing this year. The great Lynn Dunn with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I know it was a slow start for her this past year, Coach Grace Berger, but she played um, a decent amount of minutes as the season concluded. Uh, how did you evaluate Grace Berger's first season with the Fever? I thought Grace had a great season. You know, she was named to one of the all-rookie teams. Uh, what Grace did for us is she backed up the one, the two, and the three. She did whatever we wanted to do at any of those positions, and sometimes in crunch time, she was the point guard, um, you know, in in a very crucial situation. So we thought Grace did all the things that we wanted to do and probably more. Lynn Dunn with us. Uh, Lynn, I'll say this. Uh, I know we do not know each other, but I see you're from Dresden, Tennessee, okay? And I and I hear your accent. Uh, my mom's side of the family is all from western Tennessee. We're talking Covington, Brownsville, Jackson, Memphis, Bartlett, that area. I know Dresden. KB, you're, you have no idea what I'm going to get no, to say no here. No, no idea. Uh, <laughs> how, how often, Lynn, did you go to the Paris, Tennessee fish fry? Every spring. It's the world's largest fish fry in the world. Humboldt is the largest strawberry festival. We have the Iris Festival. I know all of your towns. One of my very first boyfriends was from Brownsville, Tennessee. Oh, my God. You're talking about my area now. My dad lived there for about seven years. Look at that. He lived in Brownsville, Tennessee. Great West Tennessee area, great food, great friends, great fellowship. Love it. But love that fish fry now. Yeah. Now, yeah. Coach, I don't know if it was a fish fry, and we'll end with this. What's the secret sauce to the energy level as you have obviously graced your presence on this earth for multiple decades? 
Well, my spirit is still about 13, 12, 13, 10, 12, 13. Even though my body's aged and I'm in the twilight of this, you know, this life, uh, for whatever reason, my spirit stayed awfully young. Gosh, amen to that. We absolutely love it. We love the conversations. Fingers are crossed for this weekend, Coach. Again, 3.30 will be the lottery party, 4.30 the actual lottery. No one like her. Lynn Dunn, thank you. Good luck. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Go Colts. Go Pacers. Go Fever. Lynn Dunn with the trifecta right there. Covering it all. Speaking of the Colts, it is time for our Colts and Bengals pick. Andy Sweeney, the line has changed. You know, when we talked on Monday morning, Colts were a three-point favorite. Then Jake Browning goes out there and becomes the darling of Monday Night Football, and all of a sudden, the line has slowly crept in Cincinnati's direction. Last I saw, Cincinnati was favored by two. Uh, I guess we'll start with Mark Dykton. They're making me. I'm throwing a dart here. I have no idea. Thanks for that, by the way. Uh, I said at the start of the season, this was the toughest game on the Colts' schedule. It's still tough, even though they don't have Gerald Burrow. I they have still have great skill position guys. I'm legit throwing a dart here. I'm just going to take the Bengals 27-24. Andy, I'll go next. Okay. I, 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 almost feel a bit similar to how Mark is. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, possibilities of like, okay, again, how effective is the Grover Stewart, um, you know, presence? Is this a game that the Braden Smith absence starts to catch up to the Colts? Is it a step up in competition? You know, can Jake Browning do it again? Uh, You know, how do the Colts impact Cincinnati on a short week? You know, to me, Andy, I think that's a big storyline. If Can you pound Moss in the fourth quarter? Cincinnati's going hands on hips. Uh, do you do some things mentally to test them on a short week? Do we see some of the, you know, kind of little, hey, Shane Steichen, I'm going to run my punt team off and I'm going to run my offense back on there. Is this a week that maybe you find a little bit of a play there? So uh, this is probably the least confident I've been in a pick all season. To really? Be totally honest with Really? You. Okay. I just have no idea. I don't either. I- I'm going to go Colts 26-23. I think Cincinnati's defense, I can't overlook how poor they've been against the run in the past, but again, uh, I lack major confidence in multiple things of life. Uh, if I'm gonna be so while both of, while both of you guys were talking, I was sitting there and I kind of I kind of wrote down two or three different scores. I keep, you know, the the dumbest thing you can do is bet against a trend. And the Colts have been winning. They've won four straight and they've flown cr- close to the sun. Have they not in those Very games? Close, yes. I mean, you talk about a mixed extra point against the Titans. That game going to overtime. Uh, the clock, you know, kind of ticking down in that game. I went back and forth. I. Won Wanted to go Bengals. I'm not going to go Bengals. Uh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with the Colts winning this game 27-20. I'm going to go Colts 27-20, and we're going to sit here with a five-game winning streak, and they'll be 8-5 and five on the season. God bless us because I have absolutely no confidence in that pick. If the Pacers do get it done tomorrow night in Vegas, going to try and effort Rick Carlisle for Monday's show. Again, 8.30 tomorrow night on ABC. This is the game that does not count to your 82 game record uh, this season. So it is the extra game that you have there. Thank you to Mark Dykton back. Thank you to Andy Sweeney. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody out there, appreciate you listening. Have a great, great loaded sports weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.